Spartan Pride Podcast, Fans First Sports Network. Does it get any better than Week 13 in college football? This is the home of the rivalries. We all know it every year. Almost all of them are on this Thanksgiving weekend. Now, there's some that have been pulled off foolishly, like the Bedlam game. But starting as soon as the Egg Bowl, back in its traditional spot on Thanksgiving night, you've got a glorious line of rivalry ball games all the way through Saturday night. That's what we're leading with the Spartan Pride Podcast, Fans First Sports Network, Week 13. We're getting close to the end. Let's talk about these rivalry games. Oh, man. You know, we used to do the pick six. We double up first week and last week. We may have to do that again this time. We're going to start with the Egg Bowl. This time it's at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's already looking for a new head coach. The question really is, what does Lane Kiffin do after the Egg Bowl? Is he going to interview with anybody as soon as that night or the next morning? Would that include any Big Ten teams, any teams in other conferences or is he just going to go to college station or meet with somebody from college station that quickly that is the question but the egg bowl should be one-sided this time i would bet on a one-sided egg bowl corn bowl is friday it's an 11 o'clock game there in the central time zone why it's at 11 o'clock i don't know it's not that big of a deal they're used to it but sometimes this one is too soon you know it's too early in the day It is in Nebraska this year. We're talking Iowa at Nebraska. I don't know what they call it, but in reality, people call it the Corn Bowl, as they should. As bad as Iowa has been offensively, as little as this game means to Iowa, I I don't think Nebraska has enough to hop over them this time around. Also, on Friday, you've got Texas Tech and Texas. It's not really much of a game, but you do have the Civil War. The Civil War is going to be an option this time. Oregon State at Oregon. It looks good because it is good. Now, Michigan State, of course, is going to host Penn State for the land-grant trophy at 730, but that doesn't match as far as rivalry goes. Value of rivalry this time with Oregon and Oregon State, while you could say they're not playing for that much in a way because of the way the Pac-10 standings are. Um, You know, and in this case... Oregon's 10-1, and one and Oregon State's already at 8-3. and three. It always means something, because the Civil War is a game that's not always that competitive, is it? It's really not. This time it should be. We'll talk about Jonathan Smith later. There's speculation he may go somewhere. Um, we'll talk about him later, but I tell you what, if Jonathan, Jonathan Smith is bringing NFL quarterbacks with him, eh, I'd be interested to see where he goes next. Without that, I'm not really sure. Not really sure. The game is at noon, of course. This time the game is in Ann Arbor. It really feels and seems like it's about to tip the other way. You know, a couple years ago, it all seemed to be lining up for for Michigan. They finally won one of those again. Last year, it didn't seem like it was straight, and now we know that it really wasn't a straight contest. I got to imagine the Buckeyes are going to be fired up for this one. And Ohio State is due for some good luck as far as injuries go. So I don't think anyone else is going to get injured during the game like we saw in the past. And we saw them in a couple college football playoffs as recently as last year. 
I like Ohio State this time around. The old Oaken Bucket is going to be in West Lafayette. Indiana at Purdue. I like Purdue big time this this one around. I think Purdue is going to take care of Indiana. Indiana's back probably broke for good last week when they they didn't blow the game against Michigan State, but they they did not um, they let it kind of slip away and they, they they couldn't they couldn't hold on to it. They they were behind. They came back. And they they let it slip away and they they just um, they just really could benefit it's tricky i think i don't think they should fire tom allen but i don't think tom allen's a good head coach he's probably a good coordinator he's i don't think he's a good head coach i think his record is what it is regardless of whatever you hear from pundits pundits maybe sometimes are trying to keep you watching the game not evaluating not much needed to keep people watching the iron bowl alabama at auburn we'll keep an eye out see what peyton thorne does how he deals with the swarm that will be coming from the Crimson Tide. The Crimson Tide are eighth in the country. They need to be looking for a blowout to make a mark. Auburn is a six and five team. They're already in a bowl. Look out below. This one should be a big blowout by Alabama. You got Arizona and Arizona State. That one could be interesting because Arizona State has, has a lot of folks haven't seen Arizona State for a lot of reasons. I've seen Arizona State almost beat Washington. I've seen Arizona, I mean, they were going down to score and turn it over, goes the other way. I've seen Arizona State beat Washington State and UCLA and also lose by 52 to Utah. So it's a bit of an up and downer there, a little little wacky. The Axe is, of course, up for grabs, Wisconsin at Minnesota. I don't know what happened in Minnesota. It looked like they were going to have a chance to, to be in the, the, the West contention. Now they have to win just to get bowl eligible. Wisconsin already is bowl eligible or eligible. I think that gives them a good, solid upper hand here. I, this one that Goldie has to have. If P.J. Fleck doesn't get that one, oof, it's going to be a little bit rough. Apple Cup is in Washington. The interest for Washington is... Uh, really simple. They got to win as many games as they can by as much as they can. They're at 11 and 0. They're fifth in the country. The best case they can make is to blow everyone out. Washington State is next up. That's what they've got to do. Washington State is five and six. They got off to a supposedly nice start, but how many times do we have to talk about the fact that we shouldn't do much evaluating of these teams until sometime around October 10th? Let's. Let them play the games, then take a look around October 10th and, and go ahead and rank them, if you will. I think that's probably a better idea. Florida State and Florida is probably going to be closer than we thought now that Florida State is unfortunately without their quarterback, George Travis. Serious leg injury, no doubt done. During a game, you can usually teams can find a way to, to, to navigate through that. A lot of times they can do well. Sometimes it's the first full week and the first full start that causes problems. Keep an eye out there. And also keep an eye out at Clemson at South Carolina. South Carolina is 5-6. and six. They need a win to make a bowl. Clemson is 7-4. and four. They're already in. Yeah, on paper this is one Clemson should win by a mile because in roster spots probably 10 through well probably 20 through 70 
of the 85 playing roster, they're, they're much better. Clemson is much, much better. This is one they should win. But, and it's a pretty big but, bowl eligibility on the line for the Gamecocks. And Coach Beamer down there. Let's see if South Carolina has anything at 7.30. I don't know if that matters or not, but they'll be jacked up if they show up down there in Columbia. That one will take you. 7.30. North Carolina, North Carolina State. Not much to expect there. NC State's 8-3. I don't think anybody knows NC State's 8-3. What? NC State's 8-3? Get out of town. Well, okay. Well, North Carolina's 8-3. How is this possible? Well, lighter schedule, you could say, at, at spots for NC State. So maybe we don't sleep on this one. Maybe you flip that thing over. It's at 8 o'clock. It's on the ACC network, which most folks have. It's not like the Pac-10 network, for God's sake. <laughs> and then maybe late. Cal at UCLA. There was some speculation and remains that Chip Kelly's going to move on from UCLA. I never really thought Chip Kelly was a great fit in college football at all. His ball club is 7-4. and four. The California Golden Bears, just, just Justin Wilcox, 5-6. and six. They need this game to make a bowl. That is a theme here in Rivalry Weekend. Keep an eye on that. How well do the guys do that need to win to make a bowl? And what kind of fallout is there? There is a great story and article set you can find out about the Egg Bowl gone wrong when the Egg Bowl was won and the guy did the unsportsmanlike celebration and it ended up getting people fired and changing careers directions pretty wild so it's possible that that kind of stuff can happen in these games and there are games that we talked about including that california and ucla one that will have an impact there's an argument to be made that such a thing exists here with the game this year that if ryan day does not somehow win the game he may be looking to move on maybe he finally goes to the nfl or let's say Ryan Day wins the game and Ohio State wins the national title. That, too, might be the time that Ryan Day says, okay, I'm ready to go where I belong and coach at the NFL level. Such a great weekend. And there's other ones, I know. There's other ones out there. There's other rivalry games out there. Ohio at Akron, for example, on Black Friday. Come on. That is action at its finest. But it's a terrific weekend, and you don't have a pick six on this one. You pretty much want to pick all the rivalry games. Those are just the best sampling of the ones I've seen for this coming weekend. There's other ones, but I don't think they're quite as good as that set. The ultimate pick six, rivalry weekend. That's how we're starting it. So we go around the world of college football. Midweek edition of the Spartan Pride podcast. It continues to be the lead story in college football, of course, the... Me cheat again scandal at Michigan. You've seen some funny stuff on the internet, including me cheat again. That's not my term. I didn't come up with that, but it is pretty darn funny and crafty. It's pretty well done. Uh, you've also seen people spell Michigan with two asterisks. You've seen some Astros type logos coming out. The story is not done by a long shot, I'm sure. There's some folks that think an investigation's over or whatever. No, of course not. 
really the question is what happens on Sunday? What happens Sunday? Is Michigan banned from postseason play or banned from the Big Ten title game? That's really what's interesting. What the Big Ten needs to do, as I've said before, and what the NCAA needs to do is to preserve the competitive integrity of their games. The problem they have is this is an active threat to the games right now. If they don't do anything about it, if they let Michigan play the season out and then forfeit, not vacate, because vacate's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. If they're proven to have cheated in games and it has an effect on the outcome, which is nearly unquantifiable, you're going to have to go ahead and forfeit those games. So, yeah, that means Michigan's going to be lining up to win game 1,000 again, probably 2027 or so. That's what has to be done. But do you have an idea how ridiculously stupid it would be to do all that in July if you know what's going on to this point? If the Big Ten knows that Michigan should be ineligible for the championship game, they don't need to worry so much about the forfeiting. They need to come together as a conference, and I'm talking about the presidents of the universities and the commissioner, and just basically ban them from postseason play, at least within the Big Ten. I don't know that they have the power to do that at the bowl game level. That's really the question. The game's going to be great. The game's always great. Michigan-Ohio State's one of the great games in, in the sport. I'm not as interested in that as I am in what happens on Sunday or Monday. Probably Sunday. What's going to happen? Or what happens between now and then? Is there anything else to come out or is there any decision to be made? That's the interesting thing to me. What is going to happen next? Pittsburgh and Wisconsin will kick off 2027 in Dublin, Ireland. Yes, of course Paul Christ should be over there flipping the coin. Christ, of course, became head coach at Pittsburgh, then took the job at Wisconsin, has since been essentially retired. Not trying to be funny, he would be a great guy to go over there and flip the coin. That's 2027. What a long time that appears to be. Long time away. Long, long, long time away. And around Spartan country, there is plenty of interest in what will happen, how soon it will happen, relative to the Michigan State head coaching search. Word did break on Tuesday that Alan Haller wanted to separate and fire Mel Tucker before, many months before the 2023 season, but the administration of the school prevented him from doing so. Now, this one gets a little tricky for me to say too much about. I can say that I had definitely heard going back to the winter, so not quite a year ago, but very, very early this year, that there was some question of what opportunity or what there was in the contract for Mel Tucker that would provide Michigan State. Like, is there even a way that they could just, what does it look like if they fire him, they have to pay him? There was some of that discussion around, and, and there were some folks at that time who said, hey, the contract is, is actually pretty clear. And based on this reporting, it sounds like it sounds like Alan Haller maybe thought the same. 
been a while since we talked about this, and if you missed it, pull up Mel Tucker's contract. Section three, term of employment, semicolon termination. Section B, early termination, semicolon damages. Paragraph one, that's all that you need to read. That paragraph was part of the contract certainly a year ago. It was part of the contract in the winter. It was part of the contract before the season. Section C is really the key. The coach engages in any conduct which constitutes moral turpitude or which in the university's sole judgment would tend to bring public disrespect, contempt, or ridicule upon the university. Here are the key words in section C. In the university's sole judgment, in the other, would tend to bring public disrespect. If you hear somebody talking about what constitutes moral turpitude, make sure that person's head is not stuck somewhere that the sun is not shining. Because that's not what that provision says. You know better for listening to this Spartan Pride podcast. You are very welcome and I appreciate your time. And I have not beat you over the head with this because it is kind of pointless to do. We've laid it out, but this is, it's been a while, so we're going to lay it out again. Coach engages in any conduct which constitutes moral turpitude, and here comes the more important part, or which in the university's sole judgment. That means in the university's sole judgment, period. Doesn't matter, not jury, not this, not independent, not arbitrator, nobody. Would tend to bring public disrespect, contempt, or ridicule upon the university. So, in the university's judgment, would this tend to bring public disrespect, contempt, or ridicule? That's all that matters. They don't need any contempt or ridicule. So, in this situation, yeah, Mel Tucker could have easily been fired by Michigan State, and none of this would have ever had to come out the way it did, or it may still not be out, and he would, wouldn't have a darn thing he could do about it. Not a darn thing he could do about it. As I mentioned to you on the day of his firing, I mentioned to you today, I don't think Mel Tucker has any case against Michigan State. Now, why would this come out now about Alan Haller wanting to have fired Mel Tucker before the 2023 season? We'll talk about that next as we go around the world of college football on the Spartan Pride podcast. Let's say you're hopping along living the dream, chaos comes up, you have a solution, and somehow there's people that are in the way of you resolving that solution. It's not a public matter. You can't yell and scream about it. But there may come a time and a place where that information would be to your benefit. Is that what's going on with Alan Haller at this time? I don't know. I don't know where this story came from about him wanting to fire Mel Tucker before the season, but I know this. It sure helps Alan Haller get support to name whatever coach he wants to name and not whatever coach somebody on the board insists or tries to push him to name. I don't know where this came from, but I think the timing of it is good for Alan Haller as he tries to complete the Michigan State coaching search, which is probably a lot closer to complete than we realize at this time.
Some of you wondered why haven't we had another show on the Michigan State coaching search. You were working and talking with Hondo all the time. Yeah, that's true. And the answer is as simple as there really isn't anything else to add at this point. Hadn't been much to add, but we'll go through a couple uh, ideas. I saw a ranking list, and, and no, we don't, Hondo and I, just like anybody else, we don't agree on, on all this stuff, on all these candidates. I believe Hondo is a bigger Jonathan Smith fan than I. I don't think Jonathan Smith has any ties to the Midwest unless he's bringing DJ Uangale or another NFL quarterback with him. I don't think he's a great fit at Michigan State. Mike Elko is the head coach at Duke. I don't think he wants to leave Duke. I don't know that he is experienced enough to do much at Michigan State. I see a list with Jason Candle at Toledo. That's too small of a job to go to Michigan State. It's not 1995. Dave Dorn at NC State, maybe the Wake Forest head coach. Those guys are a little bit too old. There's some other names. Um, well, you know, I don't think that either the Kansas or Kansas State coach is going to go anywhere, and I'm not sure that they're very good. You know, Pat Shermer is a name that I still think is a great one if he would want the Michigan State job. I don't think he did in 2020. You need to find out if he wants that job. Incredible success at the NFL level. Obviously played and coached at Michigan State. I would rather have him than any of those guys we've talked about so far because he's been a coach at the NFL level. And immediate need for Michigan State is going to be development. I don't know any more about where college football is going than you do as far as this money throwing around stuff. It's a joke. Um, but I assume it's got to stop at some point. And whenever it does, development is going to be key and premium. And Michigan State hasn't developed well in recent years. Pat Shermer knows how to coach football at a very high level, much higher level than a lot of these other guys. No disrespect to him, but it's not even close if you look at their professional resumes. Harlan Barnett, I wouldn't mind seeing stay around as a defensive coordinator. The way he handled the, uh, unfortunately, the mistakes he made earlier in the year, the Maryland game, the Iowa game, I don't, I think those took care of him as a head coach candidate at Michigan State. And maybe if the uh, Toledo coach moves on or another guy moves on on the MAC, that might be a really nice place for him to start and prove he could be a head coach. I, I don't think that's going to work here. Jed Fish is interesting. Jed Fish, of course, was at Michigan for a while. He's been in the NFL mostly. I don't know what Jed Fish wants to do. My concern with Jed Fish is would he want to come back to the Midwest and to the Big Ten, and is he committed to stay in college football? If so, you don't have – you've got a decent candidate. Um, Jed Fish is 47, so I would compare him a lot to Pat Shermer who's about 10 years older. So this is mostly a NFL guy. Does he want to stay? Is he going to stay at the college level? You know, we saw Mel Tucker come back to the college level, and obviously that ends in an amazing way, but I was really disappointed in the lack of development in Mel Tucker's team and his program during um, these years at Michigan State. The product was expected to be better and more development at this point. That didn't happen. So I'd be a little concerned there on Jed Fish. Lane Kiffin is, to me, a fascinating candidate. 
he may or may not have any interest in Michigan State, but they need to find out really quickly after the Egg Bowl and try to at least make a pitch to him that, look, if you want something different, if you want a shot, shot to get at the playoff, if you want to get out of the shadow and the scuzz and the slime of the SEC, here's what we have to offer. That is a pitch they need to make in a hurry because Lane Kiffin is going to be a remarkably hot candidate when you've got a Texas A&M job. And look, Texas A&M location, it's between Austin, Houston, and Dallas. I mean, you don't have to go far to get plenty of players. So I don't know that you could sell Michigan State as an easier job for Lane Kiffin. You can sell it as a very different job. And that may be what they've got to go with. And it may go far or it may go nowhere. But it needs to go quickly. Last two things on this, we wrap up this edition of the Spartan Pride podcast, have to do with Tom Izzo and Urban Meyer. Meyer has remained a bit of a mystery. Is he interested? Did he interview at Michigan State? Who asked for the interview? Why would he do that? Is he really angling for some other job? What what goes on here? Well, if Meyer is interested in coaching at all, they need to find out what's going to drive that decision. And if it's his family, they need to find out what his family would want to accomplish if they were going to come to Michigan State and whether they can make that happen. There is an argument to be made that Urban Meyer has a redemption project ahead of him. And he, he would he's a, seems to be a legacy guy. He's phenomenal on TV. You know, if he wants to improve his legacy on the field, he's got some, some cleanup work to do for sure. He could do it at Michigan State. It would need some effort, and it would need a commitment you know, to actually do it. We don't really know where that stands at this point. We really don't know where it stands. Lastly, as we wrap up around the world of college football this week, there's the Izzo factor. There will come a point in time where Tom Izzo will give his input his opinion, and basically an endorsement. And when he gives that endorsement, it's going to be of a very, very high value. There was a point in time where Alan Haller, Tom Izzo, and Mark Hollis were conducting the coaching search and narrowed it down to two candidates when it was time that they ended up with Mark D'Antonio to come to Michigan State. There will be a time where their candidate list is very narrowed and it may already be narrowed and Whatever list you've seen out there in the land of social media, let me just, um, I would just caution you on those and I would remind you who broke the story that Michigan State was hiring Mel Tucker last time. With that being said, back to the main point to wrap this one up, there will come a time and a place for Tom Izzo to give his endorsement and give his push. It is the most valuable endorsement and push that there is around Michigan State University. And when that happens, I believe the rest will take care of itself pretty quickly. This is a busy week for Michigan State. They may be active before the Penn State game. They will be certainly active after the Penn State game. And I, there may be obviously some Big Ten issues going on. Uh, Saturday night and Sunday. We will be back to talk about Michigan State and Penn State on Friday morning, previewing that game, the land-grant game. 
And I have a feeling when we're back together on Monday, looking back at the Penn State game, there will be news and we will be looking at a different landscape inside the Big Ten and maybe even a different landscape inside Michigan State football. Thank you for taking the time again to check out the Spartan Pride podcast. I'm Jonathan Shop. Thanks to all the good folks at the Fans First Sports Network. Take a look around. This is the future, and it's now. So whether you are a fan of the San Diego Padres, yeah, they're still in San Diego, Seattle Seahawks, Florida Gators, and so on, it's out and around on the Fans First Sports Network. I will talk to you on Friday. Happy Thanksgiving.